Father God, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for that awesome worship set, God. Lord, I thank you that we can come into your presence, God. Lord, I thank you, God, that your name, Jesus, breaks every single chain. Lord, and I pray today for this word, Lord, that it isn't just about us getting some head knowledge, finding out some interesting things and going away from here exactly the same, but knowing a bit more, God, but that you transform us today. Lord, Lord, that you lead us into a deeper place in you. God, Lord, that you challenge us in ways that maybe are even uncomfortable. Holy Spirit, that you just come right now, Lord, that you speak individually into each of our hearts, Lord, and that you work these, the things that are going to be shared, God, that you know where every single person's at, Lord. Lord, let this moment today bear fruit tomorrow. God, Lord, I pray that we go away from here with that bigger picture of who you are, Lord, that we go away from here on another level. In your mighty name, amen. So guys, yes, great to be sharing with you guys today. Today's our third part of our Christmas series called Christmas Unwrapped. As you see there, last week the title was The Christmas King, and we're looking at how Jesus, who comes at Christmas, is the Christmas King. And within that, This claim of just this baby in a manger is that he is absolute king. And the challenge to ourselves last week was, is he absolute king of our lives? Or just maybe not at all, or maybe just over certain areas. So Christmas unwrapped, no pun intended. I've said that every week. You guys haven't picked up and said, James, you say it every week. So I presume seeing as you say that often before saying it. You very much intend to make the pun. We did. And um, today, the, what we're going to be looking at in this Christmas Unwrapped series is this kind of sideline area. You can see it as a sideline area to do with what's going on in the stable at the moment. This, the story of the shepherds. We're going to look at the shepherds today. You know, what's going on there? What's happening with the shepherds? Because it's a little kind of suddenly goes off to the mountainside, doesn't it? We're focused on Jesus and the donkeys, the baby and Mary, Joseph. They're in the stable. They're there one minute. And then suddenly the gospel writer Luke suddenly flicks over, doesn't he? And boom, we're on a mountainside, we're on a hillside. And there's all these shepherds there. And there's the story of the shepherds. It's like, Luke, I'm sorry, was just focusing on Jesus too much for you for that? Was it getting a little boring? Why do we suddenly flick over there? Well, why has Luke done that? Why has he suddenly gone off to these shepherds and not just focused on Jesus himself? It isn't so that we can get some great pictures for the kids' Bible. It's not just so we can fit the sheep into the nativity. There are no sheep in the barn, so we need to bring some in some other way. It's not that. You know, sometimes folk, you can kind of just go through the shepherds, read the bit of the shepherds, and it's suddenly out to the shepherds, read the shepherds, and then obviously the angel appears to them, and they go, they go to the baby, don't they? They go to Jesus in a manger, and suddenly it's back, back to Jesus, and it can be a bit kind of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, obviously that's a Christmas story, and we had to go to the shepherds, and now we're back with Jesus again. And we just kind of read on. There is within it, obviously, a bunch of beautiful pastoral imagery of Jesus is the good shepherd. And then we have this thing of the shepherds at his birth, but it's not why it's there. Last week, we actually said there are two reasons why the gospel writers put something in the gospel. One, or the gospels, one, it actually happened. It's true. And two, because it teaches us something. 
It reveals something to us about Christ and why he came, his mission to the world. It reveals to us about the gospel and God himself. It's revelatory in nature. It's not just a kind of, hey, this happened as well, and that was kind of cool. It's important. So what we're going to do is we're going to read and work out what's going on. So Luke 2, 8 to 20, it's going to be on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, please follow along. This is NIV. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. It's pretty epic. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy. That will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so off they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So we know the story, right? We know the story of the shepherds. You're going to see images of them around all Christmas. Christmas cards, advent calendars. They're getting loads of royalties from that. But what is it that's being revealed through the shepherds? What's being revealed through this passage we read, what does it reveal to us about the heart of Christmas itself? And how does that impact not just on our December 2018, but on the rest of our year? And how does that impact not just on 2018, but our whole lives? Now, Christmas, we have Advent as kind of this countdown moment to to Christmas. So we're going to do a bit of a counting backwards moment in this chapter. We're going to start in 20. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Shepherds heard. This is our first kind of challenge for today. Shepherds heard. Do you hear? Do you hear? This is a challenge for all of our lives. Do we have the right attitude to hearing? So the shepherds heard, and it's fair to say or fair to argue that it was maybe not too difficult for those guys to hear because the way that the message was delivered to these guys was pretty awesome. You know, boom, an angel appears, light blazes around. They're not going to be like, hang on a minute, I'll get to you. I'm just cooking some, making some hummus over here. You know, suddenly this angel appears and these guys are terrified. It's like, ah, the message we can imagine was communicated amazingly. This angelic person, this angel there, communicating the message from God to them. I don't think he would have slipped up and said, actually, hang on a minute, let me try and remember. Uh, uh, well, well, it's kind of like this, you know. They communicated brilliantly. 
And so the shepherds, they're immediately set ablaze. They're set ablaze with passion. They go out to find Jesus, don't they? They see Jesus, they meet with Jesus. And then what do they do? It says they're so on fire that they go out and they go and share and tell people in that surrounding area. They spread the word about everything that the angel had told them and everything that they had seen. Their hearing doesn't just cause them to be like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, back to the campfire. Their hearing leads them to action. The people they speak to, though, they're amazed, aren't they? They're amazed. But as far as we understand, as far as we can read from from the Gospels, from Scriptures, it doesn't say that any of them specifically become believers in that moment. It doesn't say that they join them in sharing or go themselves to go and find Jesus. They hear they're amazed, but it doesn't lead on to anything else. Maybe they're amazed by the contents of the message maybe they're amazed because it's these shepherds who are sharing this amazing truth maybe they don't go on to do other things because they don't have an angel sharing with them if you think of these guys these shepherds very likely it would have been ineloquent these guys would have been not well spoken would have been uneducated guys they're coming straight from the hills they probably stank right the shepherds almost certainly didn't share god's message that they'd heard from the angel in exactly the same way that the heavenly speaker had shared it also these shepherds that shepherds at the time they're very low in society you know if we meet a shepherd today we're like hey that's pretty cool you know that's cool you're a shepherd whereas in in that time it's very low in society maybe people didn't respect what was being said because of the agent of delivery because of the shepherd themselves humans we we know we probably do it without thinking about it we have so many prejudices and barriers that if a speaker has maybe a certain accent or comes from a certain country or does a certain job Maybe people find it hard to hear God's message to them because of the mode of delivery. So hearing can be difficult. Hearing can be difficult. Hearing can be hard. You know, how many sermons have we maybe listened to? I know it's never happened in this church, but how many sermons have you ever listened to where maybe the delivery is its not an amazing delivery? And so it's hard to engage with what's going on, hard to get into. The Bible, you know, the Word of God, it's not an easy read. It's, a, it's an amazing book. It's the best book in the world. But it's not an easy read. You know, if you want an easy read, go to our house and borrow one of our board books for the kids. You know, it's not an easy read. But it's life-changing. But, you, you know, as maybe challenging to engage with as a preacher can be, or maybe as hard as getting into certain scriptures can be that, that we read about, or just in general, this the style of delivery or an agent of delivery we have to challenge ourselves with this truth and this question is what i am hearing the truth of god is what i'm hearing the truth of god see people hear this amazing truth of god they're hearing the gospel from these guys the messiah's been born god has been born as a baby into the world today they're hearing it from these shepherds. But as I say, we don't see that these guys suddenly go, wow, that's amazing, and run out to find Jesus. They didn't lead them to seek Jesus, despite the truth 
being exactly the same. So style, social status, delivery. It's important that we do it well. You know, I believe in communicating the gospel well. I believe it's important, especially preachers of the gospel. But we need to challenge ourselves to say, okay, you know, sometimes we're going to hear something from someone and maybe who they are, how they say it, it doesn't tickle our emotions. But we need to challenge ourselves. Is that the truth of God? Is that God speaking something to us? You know, and ultimately, the most important question is, have I not sought out Jesus because I've thought, actually, no, it's never been communicated well. Because, you know, whilst maybe you've heard a gospel message year after year after year after year, it's never tickled the emotions or been like, oh yeah, actually, I really feel like doing that now because the person that told me this truth was a certain kind of person. So I never really sought Jesus out. The important thing is we can't stop our hearing and the way we hear and our responding to truth get in the way of us coming to Jesus, get in the way of us growing in the truths of God. It's too important not to respond to him. And going deeper in this topic, Mary says in verse 19, it says that Mary treasured up these things in her heart and pondered them. She pondered them. Do you ponder when you hear a word, when you hear a preach, when you read the Bible, when maybe somebody, maybe someone's given you a word, do you ponder it? Do you sit on it? Or is it, oh, I'm so busy, I've got so much stuff going on, in one ear, out the other, crack on. Well, that was kind of interesting. And you remember something that happened from before, but you don't dwell on it, you don't treasure it. See, when you read the word of God, when you, maybe someone shares something with you, do you ponder it? You know, we don't truly hear unless we treasure something and ponder it. When God speaks to you, whether through a person, through his word, through the Bible, Ponder it, treasure it. When you hear something from God Almighty, how amazing is that? Take that, treasure that thing, treasure that thing. Hold it with such high value. It goes deeper and deeper. The more we treasure something, the more we ponder something, the deeper and deeper and deeper it gets down into us, gets down into our hearts. So as we ponder, as we meditate on something, as we, as we think about it, as we unwrap these truths, what we've heard from God, we see it all the more clearly. It's like a tapestry that's maybe been folded up and you have a few corners folded out and you're like, oh, that looks like it's maybe a countryside scene. But until you actually really open it, until you really open it and you stand and you stare at it and you, you, you spend time in it, you're not gonna really see the picture. It's the same with hearing the word of God. It's the same with hearing something from maybe from today. Maybe there'll be one nugget you just need to take away and God speaks into your heart. You just need to ponder on. Think about what each word in a verse when you're reading the Bible, what does each word bring to the verse that you're reading? So the shepherds, the story of the shepherds, one thing is it teaches us to hear and that our hearing, however it's delivered, should lead us to pursue Christ, should lead us to look at the gospel and see how that impacts our lives. Think how many places as well these guys would have had to look. They get pretty much Bethlehem stable, but it's not, unless, okay, maybe it's the only stable with a light on, all right? Maybe there's a candle on inside or something like that. But even then, they've got to go and seek it out. It's not just like, hey, go to this exact place and they just walk straight there, Google Maps, oh, it's okay. Yeah, I've got the WhatsApp photo of where to find the place, you know? 
they would have had to spend time finding, walking around town, looking for this place, seeking Jesus out, pursuing Christ. So if you hear the Messiah's been born, we don't get distracted. We pursue it. So have you heard that beautiful truth of Christmas that a saviour has been born? And then it moves on, or moving back slightly, the, the, suddenly that there's that heavenly choir appear, and the heavenly choir sing, don't they? Point number two is peace. And they sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to men. Very famous verse, right? Lots of songs around this. What does it mean? What does it mean? Peace on earth to men. Why are they saying peace on earth to men? No, there's not a war going on at that moment in the land. Peace on earth to men. Well, guys, what is the opposite of peace? The opposite of peace is war, isn't it? It's conflict. And they're declaring that because mankind, until that point, has been living at war with God, opposed to God, where there's just no appeasement. There is no peace. And so, just like we spoke about last week, we want to be king over our lives. We want to be king over our lives, that our hearts, like Paul writes in Romans, they're hostile towards God, they're hostile to the law of God. That we can't stand the thought of God being king and us losing control. We've all got, like we said last week, that little King Herod who wants to sit on the throne of our hearts and is at odds with the claim of absolute kingship that Christ brings. That when, when that question that was asked to Herod, where is the king? Where is the king? And Herod freaks out when the wise men ask him that. The same thing can happen in the human heart when it's questioned, hey, where's the king? And it's like, I'm the king. I'm the king. And we can freak out. This applies to both the religious and it applies to those and the irreligious, those who have no faith, right? Neither. Neither want to give Jesus the kingship. The religious person, they, what do they say? They say, hey, God, I followed all the rules. I've done everything right. I've lived exactly as I should live. I've been a good person. You've got to let me into heaven now. Hey, I've been so good. You need to bless me in this way. I've done every single thing that the Bible says. So now you have to do this for me. It's that, hey, good people go to heaven. That's not in the Bible. What's actually happening there? It's a person making themselves king over God saying, hey, God, I'm the king. You've got to do my bidding. I've done this, this, and that. You need to do this. And so they don't ultimately live at peace with him. And the same for the person who says, actually, I don't believe in you, God. There is no God, or I don't need God. I'm ruler of my life. Both are at odds with God. There's this thing of conflict with him. And the great truth that we have proclaimed by that heavenly choir as they sing to the shepherds, is that peace has come. Peace has come. A way of peace has come. Reconciliation has come. That the ultimate one, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one who would bring peace, has come to restore everything on earth. Emmanuel, right? That's what we, we know that word, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. 
He's come so that his shalom, the shalom of God, shalom being total peace, total completeness, total, total peace in that relationship, so that that's come and everything is set right. Jesus brings us peace with God. He's that mediator. He is that peacemaker. And the amazing call around peace at Christmas time, the call is twofold. Firstly, we can all seek peace, right? Actually, as we seek Jesus, we find this peace with God. We become believers. We become Christians, a person who is at peace with Christ. But actually, as we move through that journey as believers, we get this same heart for peace, that we are called into this place of being peacemakers. So just like Jesus preached on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, that is actually how the world through his church had changed and transformed across the whole planet. As people bring this heart, people who are in Christ, believers, followers of Jesus, bring this heart of God, this heart for peace out into the whole world and we become peacemakers. People can't truly be at peace. People can't truly be at peace in themselves. People can't truly be at peace with each other or even with creation itself. We see that there's a massive load of environmental things at the moment. There can't be true peace when there is conflict with God. So as believers apply this kind of heart of a peacemaker, everything in our lives changes. Everything changes around. The world changes. Peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our towns, our cities, our nations, our societies. And there's a challenge in that because a very famous thing you know, around this life of Christianity is forgiveness. And that's a big part of peacemaking. Is there someone that you need to make peace with today? Is there some person that you need to make peace with? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there someone you need to go to to ask forgiveness? Are there some people as well? Sometimes folk actually find it really hard to make peace. Is there some people you need to help make peace with you by maybe saying sorry and seeking peace even though it's not your fault? So the story of the shepherds calls us to a life of peace with God because that reflects the gospel life. That reflects the the very heart of Jesus that he came to bring peace over a situation that wasn't even his fault that he came to die so that we could have peace with God, that he went through total conflict so that we could find peace. Number three, do not fear. Verse number nine, nine and 10. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Do not be afraid. Awesome, hey? Imagine the scene that's going on there in that moment. The shepherds are there on the hillside. They're making their hummus. There's campfire that's going on. It's all pretty dark. The sheep are off. Meh, like that. And then suddenly, the hills are set alight. The night is ablaze. Suddenly an angel is stood right there. The glory of the Lord is blazing around him. And they're terrified, aren't they? They freak out. They're like, ah! They're completely terrified. 
We see this quite consistently as you go back through the Bible, that where an angel shows up, people are terrified, they're scared. Why are these shepherds terrified? Why are they terrified? Well, it goes right back to Genesis 3. See, it's not just because it's bright. It's not just because it's an angel. It goes right back to Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve, after they eat the apple, what do they do? God comes walking through the garden, doesn't he? What do they do? They hide. They hide in the garden. They hide from God. They are afraid because of their sin, because of their sin, because of their nakedness. See, angels come in and out of the presence of God and they carry some afterglow, you could call it, of the presence of God with them. There's that flavor of the presence of the holy turning up in that place. And what happens to a human when suddenly their sin comes into the presence of God? They see their sin for what it is. When the sin is held up before God, it's absolutely terrifying because it just, it quakes. In fact, you know, that's why, it's the whole reason why Christ came, didn't he? Because we cannot stand and live in the face of the presence of God with our sin. Sin can't stand. So sin can't enter the presence of God and stand. That's why the Apostle Paul, we haven't done it yet, so spoiler alert, but chapter 27 in our Acts series, you know, actually the Apostle Paul, he, he's visited by an angel. He doesn't freak out, but at the same time when he's sharing, he says, an angel of God to whom I belong. He has this assurity of his, his righteousness before God. He has this assurity of his sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ. It's all to do with sin. And that's why people throughout the Bible have fallen on their faces before angels because they catch a glimpse of God. They catch a glimpse of his holiness and his beauty and his, and his purity. And when our sin comes into contact with that, it's absolutely terrifying. There's a great story of a guy from the UK, Smith Wigglesworth from a long time ago in Smith. He had an amazing healing ministry. He really spent a lot of time in the presence of God. And um, he has this one story of one time he's on a train and it's one of those old trains where the cars are on the side, kind of the cabins are on the side and there's maybe six or eight people, three or four up facing each other. And they're, they're sat in one of these carriages going along. And this guy opposite him, he wasn't even speaking to him, this guy opposite him just starts to cry and, and he says to him, he, he says to Smith Wigglesworth, he says, being around you convicts me of my sin. And even though like I go to church every day, every day I've never accepted Jesus as, as my savior and I, I need a savior. Suddenly in that moment, being around the presence of God, even just off Smith, this guy realized that he could never be good enough. He'd never be able to earn it that he needed a savior to come into the presence of God. But the angel says, do not fear, doesn't he? Do not fear, do not fear, why? Because everything that you're afraid of, everything that you're afraid of, because of your inadequacy before God, because of your sin before God, I've got good news for you. God's dealing with that right now. He's dealing with it right now. He sent a Messiah, he sent a savior fear not fear not 
You see, it's not just like, like he's saying, actually, don't, I'm not just terrifying. I'm not just bright and loud and terrifying and massive and an angel. He's not saying, don't worry about that. I'm not going to hurt you. He's saying, fear not. Why? Because God has sent a savior to deal with the sin that you're terrified about at the moment in the presence of the holy. And that is this great gift that we have, that we can go into the presence of God, that we can stand in the presence of the holy. That's what Christmas means, that we don't need to fear. You know, if you have a perfect relationship with the God of love, if there is only total love between you and God, if that's all you've got between you, then you have nothing to fear. And in Christ, that is the relationship you have. You have nothing to fear. Our world, we know it, right? We've experienced it maybe ourselves. Our world is rife with fear. We've all experienced it. I have. People fear what other people think. People fear the future. People fear the past. People have anxiety about what's going to happen today. People have anxiety about what's going to happen tomorrow. And it all stems from Genesis 3. Same place where the serpent lied to us, serpent lied to mankind, and we believed him. We believed him. What did the serpent say? He said, effectively, you only need to be in control. You need to be in charge. Only then will you be happy. Only then will you be happy. Don't let God be king. Don't let God be in control. And so in that, in that sinning, in that eating the apple, in that turning away from God, we lost our peace with God. We became in conflict with God. We made ourselves in control of our lives, right? Believing that only in that we would find true happiness, that only in our own control would we find true happiness. That if God was in charge, we'd miss out on the good stuff. If we believe today that peace will only come if we're in control, if we believe peace will only come then when we're in control, maybe you'll have some seasons where you'll be at peace. But really, majority of your life, you'll always live in fear because there are forces far greater than you that you can't control, that are happening right now, that you can't predict that's going to mess up your control. And so today, all over the world, we find people living in fear because they believe the only way to happiness is to be king of their life. But there are so many things that we just cannot control, which lead to fear and lead to anxiety. But the call of Christmas is make him your king. What can't we control? Other people, right? We can't control other people. Stock markets, political decisions, natural disasters, unexpected death, accident, all these things. They're out of our control. The shepherds, they're not just afraid of this massive shining angel. They're afraid of the presence of God and everything that that reveals about them. But the angel says to them, he doesn't say, just say, fear not. But he says, fear not. He says, behold. He says, look. See, the story of the shepherds teaches us to not to fear. And then it goes on to show us that the reason that we don't have to fear is because we're called to look. 
It's because we're called to gaze upon. Verses 10 and 11 says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Right? Fear not. Do not be afraid. For behold, look, perceive. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The angel says, do not be fearful. Look, look at this. Gaze upon this thing. Perceive this thing. Perceive everything that actually it means in what I'm going to say. And what's the angel talking about? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the good news of God. This one waited for, for millennia. The coming one, the Messiah. He has come. See, look at the gospel. Look at Christ himself. Here's a challenge you maybe never thought of. Look at the gospel because the extent to which you look at the gospel, to the extent to which you gaze and you perceive the beauty and the power of the gospel, that in turn will be the extent to which your fears diminish and disappear. Think about that. Dwell on that. It's not about changing circumstances. I mean a changed response. What is the gospel? What's the thing the angel's calling these shepherds to look at? He's calling them to look at and gaze upon a saviour is born. And they do that, don't they? They go and find him. Go and find him. The king is born. Jesus has come. And these guys rush out and seek him out. The hardest challenge each of us is ever going to face is saying, God, I trust you. And it's not just a one-time thing, it's a constant thing. It sometimes can be a situational thing where it's all fine to trust Jesus when everything's fine, but then when we hit the hard part, it's like, actually, I need to take control back here, God. I don't trust that you're going to come through for me here. God Almighty, Lord of Lords, in that looking for him, beholding him, he asks us a tough thing to give up control, to make him king. And some people, you may be sat there thinking, well, you know, how, how can I trust him? You may be listening on the audio thinking, how can I trust him? How can I give him control? How can we give him our lives? And you know the reason. It's what those shepherds find that day when they turn up in that stable. The reason is a baby in a manger. A baby in a manger. The, the king of the universe who could have come in might and power and fire and, and greatness. He actually came naked and helpless, didn't he? Naked and helpless. He gave up every single scrap of control and was born as a baby. And there's no picture for us as humans as of greater dependence than a little crying baby. They can literally do nothing. And God in his coming to us to save us and calling us to him, he gives us an example of how he calls us to be. It's a radical display of losing control. Amazing. This radical display of losing control all for you. You can trust him. This aspect of the Christmas story, seeing Jesus as a baby... That should completely challenge and compromise anyone, any belief or thought that says, ah, can we trust him? He first trusted us. See, the God of the universe who came to bring peace between God and man, to call people back 
into relationship with God and calls people to give him control in their lives, he first gave up all control. Why did he do that? Why did he give up all control? So that mankind didn't have to live in fear, fear of death, fear of the things of this life, that as we behold the gospel, as we gaze upon its many facets, the gospel's like a diamond. You can hold it up and turn it around. The gospel's not just one sentence. It has multiple aspects to it. As we gaze upon that and its truths become revealed to us and we live upon those truths, all fear begins to vanish. And that's the beautiful message of Christmas that we see in the story of the shepherds. Look, behold a saviour. The gospel has come. Behold, this saviour has come. Jesus has come because in, in it, all fear is taken away. We can be a Christian, can't we? We can be a Christian and have total anxiety. We can come to God and actually be more worried about our finances than our eternal salvation. Because for some reason, you know, we trust God with our, our salvation, but then some smaller things that go on in life, that's pretty hard. Look, God, I can't trust you with a thousand Hong Kong dollars, but I'll trust you with my eternal soul. For some reason, people find that, that we actually can end up living in anxiety as believers. We can be anxious about so much stuff. But what does Jesus say? In Matthew 6:25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And it goes on, and really that's speaking about food and clothing. It's speaking about just practical life stuff. But isn't that what most people are actually worried about? Stuff to do with their stuff, anxious about the things of life, having enough money, getting the right job or getting a job, getting kids into the right school sometimes, getting a house, putting food on the table, getting the promotion, whatever it may be. So we've got this choice. We can either, in our faith, in our salvation, we can either gaze upon the gospel and gaze upon Christ trust him, believe him, believe his word, believe what he said and say, okay, Jesus, let's take money, for example. You are Lord of my finances. You're the provider. I trust you in this and not live in fear or not. And we can say, get off that. I'm going to sort it out myself. You know, a little story for you guys is before Jess and I came over here, so we came over here to church plant and it was very much just a leap of faith but we knew we were coming for about 18 months and we started saving and over 18 months we had a very low salary at the time we'd managed to save about six thousand pounds which was was actually like a lot of money as a percentage of our annual salary about six six thousand pounds over the course then of about a month running into when we're about to leave so it's, we're, we're getting close to leaving over the course of about a month God just started saying to us, hey, James, I want you to give some money to this place, this organization. James and Jess, we want, we, I'd, I'd love you to give this money to these, this, this area. It wasn't little, it's like, give a thousand, bear in mind we've got 6,000, give a thousand pounds here, give 2,000 pounds here. So over the course of a month, pretty much emptied our savings account, our parachute. 
And in that, he was just revealing to us and saying to us, you know, guys, when you're doing this thing, I need to be your backstop. I need to be the plan. Don't put your faith in your bank balance. Don't put your faith in that stuff. Have your faith in me. And amazingly, not even including the gift that was given by, by church, but amazingly, over the next six weeks, bear in mind it's been 18 months to get 6,000, over the next six weeks from left, right and center, our bank account went to 18,000 pounds. Amazing. That's how we survived for that first period when we first came here and were able to do so much stuff whilst we were here, like get out, like live somewhere eventually. Amazing. He's the parachute, he's the plan. And here's the challenge. What are you looking at? What are you gazing upon? What do you behold? The storm, you know, the challenge. Because sometimes it's easy, right? It's all blown around. The storm, the challenge, the impossibility, the negative potential of this situation that's before you or him and his promises. See, the angel says, fear not. Why? Because a saviour has been born. Jesus has come. The provider has arrived. The way to righteousness is here. The path to your justification before God is born today in a stable. The king of kings, the absolute kings, the saviour of the whole world. The one who sets you free from fear and anxiety and worry. He calls you to give him control of your life. He called you to give control of your life and he has given up all control as this baby lying in a manger. He's come to die so that you may live and not live in fear. So he came to experience the ultimate fear of separation from the Father so that that you would never have to go through that fear of dying in separation from God Almighty. It's amazing. The story of the shepherds, it causes us to gaze upon Jesus Christ, to gaze upon the gospel, the good news of God, and gaze and gaze and gaze. And as we discover this glorious truth, as we give him control in our lives and make him Lord of our lives, you'll find as he is in control, fear will be replaced by faith. Fear will be replaced by faith. And as the angel said in those verses, a great joy will come. So I guess the challenge for you guys today is, do you fear today? Is there something you've got anxiety over? Is there something that you fear today? If that's you, I want to just today, as we just respond, as we have a, just a time, of, time of response, I want to encourage you guys to hand control to him and control to him that doesn't mean stick your head in the ground ignore the thing that you've got anxiety about it doesn't mean that you don't work this thing okay i'm not i'm not saying oh we'll be all right you know jesus is going to sort it out and just ignore it be responsible act But it means that you are saying, Jesus, I replace my fear over my inability to control the stuff that's going on in this area and all the external factors and all the what ifs and all the maybes. I replace my fear in my inability with my faith 
in your ability. Jesus, I trust that you are a good God. Jesus, I trust that you are going to come through. Jesus, I trust that you are the breakthrough. Guys, if that's you today, just pray right now. Just say that thing to him, whatever it may be. It could be fear of the future. It may be fear of finances. It may be fear in relationships. Maybe fear in just general provision. Just give that to him. As you pray right now, just give it to him. Just say, God, come and be king in that area of my life. Teach me how to live that out, God. And if that is you and you feel comfortable, share, share with me later. I'd love to walk that, walk that road with you. You're here today and maybe you've re- you realised as I've spoken, you've realised you've never actually really taken time to look, to gaze and gaze and stare at Christ himself, stare and understand the gospel in its multifaceted ways. If that is you, make a decision today, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you know, to gaze at the gospel, to look at it, to stare at it, to hold it up like that diamond, to turn it in the light. It's got so many facets and is so beautiful and can touch and impact your life in so many ways. The gospel itself could impact how you, uh, how you do your finances, can impact how, how you do your relationships, can impact how you parent, can impact how you're a friend, can impact how you deal with even your household environmental stuff. Nothing in your life is untouched by the gospel or could be untouched by the gospel. The gospel speaks to it all. And just lastly, are you here today? And as I've spoken, you realize, you know, I don't have a relationship with you, Jesus. Or maybe, you know, you want to go deeper with him. Maybe, though, you're here today and you're like, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I know, I know of him. I've heard about him but I don't know him. Same for if you're listening on the audio. If you want to start a relationship, start this journey with Jesus today. If you want to, like the shepherds, go out and search him out. Say, Jesus, I want to start this awesome journey with you. Just make that decision right now. Just say to him, Jesus, I want to discover you. Will you reveal yourself more and more? Jesus, I make you king of my whole life. You know, what does that look like? What does this pursuing Jesus, making king in your life look like? Walk life with other believers. Be part of a community of believers. Pray. Speak to him. Chat to him. Read his word. If that's you... I'd, what I'd love to do, just as, as all eyes are closed, as every head is bowed, if that's you here today, and you want to start that journey, I'd love to pray for you. So just so I know who I'm praying for, you just pop your hand in, hand in the air. And same if you're, if you're listening on the audio, you know, just, just signal that and I'll be praying in the spirit with you. Father God, I thank you for anyone who is just making this decision right now to make you Lord of their lives, to make you king in their lives and say, Jesus, like the shepherds, I'm coming out to find you. Lord, I'm inviting you in in to fill my life. Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. 
that you paid for my sin, that I didn't have to, that I don't have to fear, but I can enter joyfully into the presence of God. Lord, I choose to make you Lord of my life over every area of my life today. Lord, I pray that you would guide me into the fullness of this life with you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd fill those people today afresh, God. Come and fill those people afresh. And Father, I just lift up everybody who's here. Everyone who's here, God. Yes. Lord, I pray for each person here that you would just do a work in them. Speak to them, speak to their hearts, God. Reveal things to them today. Lord, I pray that decisions would be made today. As people see, it's not in our ability, but in your ability, God. Lord, I pray that you would just lead people through and take them on to higher places, awesome places in you, Jesus. In your mighty name, God. Amen.